Welcome to the Big Mike Fun Podcast, where you learn about advanced wealth building strategies from real estate investing to creating massive ROI and secure retirement profits. So pour yourself a cup of coffee, grab a notepad, and lean in. Because Big Mike has got the mic, starting now. Welcome to the Big Mike Fun Podcast. Uh, I'm the Big Mike, Mike Zlatnik. Today it is my pleasure and a privilege to welcome Mark Delatour. Hi, Mark. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you very much for coming uh, on the podcast. Mark Delatour is a brother from the Collective Genius Mastermind. We also share the Freedom Founders Mastermind. He's a bright mind, hard worker, uh, brilliant in many ways. Um, and uh, he's one of the most competent uh, turnkey operators that I know. Uh, Mark, let's just talk a little bit about sort of start with your family. A couple of words about you and your family, uh, where you live, um, and uh, just a couple of words about you. Sure. Um, so I'm originally from New Zealand, but came over here to go to university, got my MBA at the University of Missouri here in Kansas City, where I met my lovely wife, Sarah. Uh, her and I are actually celebrating our 20-year wedding anniversary next year, so we're pretty oh, congratulations. excited about that. That's wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and then we have uh, two children, uh, Jackson, who's 14, and, and Aubrey, who's 12. So we love spending time uh, kind of taxiing them around the, uh, the country uh, for all their sports and activities at this age. That's great. You, you have an awesome family. Uh, that's great to hear. Uh, how do you like um, Kansas City? Just Was it by choice or you just went to a university there and you kind of settled in? Yeah, you know, certainly, I mean, everyone makes choices, right? But at the end of the day, um, it was where I got my education for free. Uh, so they were offering me a, a athletic scholarship to come and play on their collegiate division one tennis team. And so that was certainly a passion for me back when I was 18 years old. Um, was pretty good tennis player in New Zealand, but wanted to come and see how good I was compared to these other amazing athletes, uh, you know, from all over the world that come to America to play division one. Um, so really enjoyed my time on the tennis team, but clearly uh, nowhere near good enough to, to compete professionally. Um, and then I flipped my house uh, in Kansas City while I was getting my MBA, just flipped my first house and kind of stumbled into, you know, a decent profit. And I thought, well, why go sit behind a desk making, you know, 40 or 50 grand a year when I could, uh, you know, have some fun. I always had an entrepreneurial flair uh, kind of a, an entrepreneurial gene in my body, Mike. I was always the guy that never really knew what I was going to do, but I knew that I was going to be a business owner. And around that time, um, I know it's a broken record, but uh, I think Kiyosaki had an influence on so many people at that at that time and turn of the century there. Um, because in 2001, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it just spoke to me, just made so much sense. Uh, and I knew that it was going to be certainly a way for me to build wealth uh, over time. And that's certainly where the light bulb went off for me. The real, the stock market never really appealed to me in the same way. Um, but certainly I could relate to the stories in Rich Dad, Poor Dad and felt like real estate was going to be a way to accumulate wealth. I didn't realize that it would become my vocation as well. That's a great story. That's, I, I call it a classic um, where you, uh, by choice, go into real estate um, and you enjoy the journey and you find it to be a great opportunity and uh, certainly uh, beats the, the desk job in some corporate um, world uh, position. So now let's talk a little bit about your business. Um, 
I know you do some commercial deals. We work on, 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 on a redevelopment project, but your bread and butter at turnkey properties. Um, could you explain kind of the real basics of the process? I have many guests in the podcast who've talked about the turnkey model, but just, just real basic stuff. And how do you differentiate between other turnkey operators? Um, how do you stand out being a great operator? I know you do great management. Maybe that's one of the key benefits. Um, because uh, it, it, this is Midwest. People go to Midwest from the coastal markets. This is where the investment dollars flow for cash flow. And uh, I don't know what the appreciation is like in um, Kansas City. Could you just cover a couple of these things? What the cash flow like, appreciation? How do you do uh, your business? How do you make these properties great? And how do you make investors happy for many years? Great question. Yeah, let me do my best to answer all of that. Um, firstly, I'm, I'm, firstly, I'm very lucky to be in the Kansas City market. I mean, it was certainly a God thing um, that real estate turned out. Um, you know, the turnkey provider, I guess, uh, has worked out well for me in Kansas City. I think if I was in San Diego or, you know, Vegas or Florida, I'd probably just be flipping and that would be fine or wholesaling maybe. But, uh, you know, when the when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And I believe that um, the same could be said for the marketplace. When the market is ready, um, the entrepreneur appears. And, you know, that was my way to get through the, the downturn, Mike, because, you know, I've been investing since 2001. And so, you know, 20 years um, and all I've done is real estate. So obviously when I first started, I was just flipping. Uh, my niche was buying direct on the courthouse steps. So I was always able to find really quality deals. And so for the first eight or nine years, I was just buying, flipping, and I would always just kind of, you know, flip three and hold one, flip three and hold one. So I've always been accumulating rental property, you know, with the wisdom of Robert Kiyosaki in my ear saying, you know, try and hold as much as you can. So make the income, but then also, um, you know, try and build wealth through real estate holdings. When the market tanked, I had a unique position because suddenly all of my uh, international friends um, were very intrigued that there was not only the weak US housing market, but also the weak US dollar. And so at that time, I repositioned myself um, to be a turnkey provider to international investors. And that's how I got through the downturn when uh, banks were not lending on single family real estate at the time. And I remember, um, you know, just frustrated because suddenly we have this wave of foreclosures and deals that I just, you know, was salivating over and yet capital was um, kind of, you know, stopping my progress. And so I branched out at that time and started uh, investing, uh, you know, kind of on a, you know, the investor would put up all the money, I would do all the work and we'd split the profits if we flipped a house. And then I started doing a model where I'd be a fee-based model to if they wanted to buy and hold. And so you just kind of work your way through. So even before this term turnkey provider came to being, I was, a, you know, that's essentially what I was doing to get myself through the downturn. And it worked well. I was able to hold on to all of my real estate and uh, help others build wealth through real estate. And then slowly but surely, we you know, redefined the model to what it is today. Um, and, and today, we service um, a very high income, high net worth investor that's looking to diversify out of the stock market and uh, put some money into real estate. I think how we differentiate ourselves 
is kind of the the product and the service. Um, the product is a more high quality product. There are easily people that could just go in and uh, there's many providers that can just sell you an asset for under a hundred thousand and you know you buy it for fifty and it cash flows you know because the rent is getting seven or eight hundred dollars a month and so way over the one percent rule and it looks good on paper and and that's all fine. We choose to completely avoid that strategy. We are the opposite of that. So we go in and look in. You know, we've we've chosen to go into uh, better parts of town with better zip codes, better school districts, because our investors are value and we coach them into valuing the asset of long-term wealth accumulation. We want investors that will buy their asset and never sell. I joke that the best exit strategy for real estate is to never exit. And so our investors value the fact that they have a high quality asset in a better area but the caveat to that is you have to manage it effectively over time. The two big killers of cash flow, as you know, Mike, are vacancy and maintenance. And those are completely controlled by having dialed in property management. So the other way we differentiate ourselves is there are some quote unquote turnkey providers that actually just sell you a house and then they line up another property management company to come in and manage it. I completely dispel the, the myth that that is a, a true turnkey provider. Um, you know, I think a turnkey provider should not only source the asset, remodel it, get it rented out, but also back end property manage it. That's where you get a true turnkey provider. And that's what we offer here is the full soup to nuts um, from acquisition to the back end property management. Yeah. And, and I like this very much that you stand behind the product that you sell and you manage it and you would do right for the uh, investors and I also agree with the uh, strategy where you buy assets in the better areas that have appreciation, not just the cash flow. Because um, cash flow is important, but at the end of the day, the real wealth is built through the um, uh, growth of the value of the property appreciation. The cash flow helps, and cash flow could be a substantial part of the return, but having a uh, low appreciation area is a, um, you know, it's a challenge on the long-term wealth building exercise. So I completely agree with you. And I think that's missed by most people. And most people think, oh, it's going to generate, you know, $500 a month of cash flow. I can't lose with this asset. Well, then it sits vacant for two months. Then they have vandalism and then the break-in and then the tenants trash the property. And you know, you've just got to ask yourself, if you're investing huge dollars into assets, um, you know, would you want to, and some people want to deal, you know, they're, they're happy to deal with those headaches and, uh, and those trials and tribulations of low C-class assets. And that's fine. But we at our company just choose to invest in A assets only and look for the areas, you know, A assets and B areas and also A assets and A areas. But we look to um, renovate our properties to the highest of standards. So we do put granite in all of our rental properties. We put LVP, luxury vinyl plank flooring in all of our properties. Um, we try and eliminate carpet wherever possible, other than on the stairs. Um, and so, you know, we're trying to make these things bulletproof. And we've found that we can completely decrease the, um, the leasing time frame. We can decrease the uh, time off market. We can decrease the uh, cost out of pocket for our owners at each turn time. And so all in all, it's just this... Um, you know, really well-oiled machine uh, on the property management side. Because, you know, I always joke with my investors, look, I, I'll sell you the house for 120000 that someone else may be able to sell you the exact same house for one hundred and ten. dollars uh, But 
with the dialed in property management, um, you know, we will win in the long run because it all comes down to vacancy and maintenance. And if you have a bad tenant in a bad area uh, versus a, a great tenant that's going to stay uh, for a long time, uh, you know, you're always going to win with that more quality asset in the long run. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, people are trading for a little bit better cash flow for a better and easier life in the future and possibly better appreciation. So just a query quickly, what's your average product? What's the average sales price and what's the average trend? Just curious about the market. Sure. So our average sales price is around 145,000, call it 150. And our average rent is around 1350 to 1395. So we're slightly under that 1% rule. But again, the quality of the asset that's getting put, pushed out um, is certainly well appreciated uh, from our clientele. Uh, it normally spits out, we actually, you'd be interested in this, Mike, we kind of have a a minimum financial hurdles that our properties have to hurdle before we would sell them to an investor. And we call it the 714-300. We have a 7% yield or cap rate, a 14% cash on cash return minimum, and a $300 per month minimum cash flow. We will not sell an asset if it doesn't clear those hurdles. So that's kind of our minimum financial criteria for every asset. That's the first time I hear this. This is pretty brilliant. So 7% cap rate, that's the minimum, which is not bad. But the reason it actually sounds pretty attractive today is with low interest rates. Correct. So a little bit you know, before the rates dropping, 7 cap on a residential property wouldn't have given you the cash flow that, you, that you're targeting 14%. But if it's a Fannie Freddie loan at very low interest rate, and I assume some people can get 80% if they're first, you know, four and then 75 uh, up to 10, uh, following the standard guidelines, um, the, the cash flow can can shoot uh, above 10. And the 14, by the way, it's a it's a very generous number. I have to say that most people will be pretty happy with a lower than 14. Um, at least my two cents is if they if they're getting 14 cash on cash, they should be setting aside four and keeping 10 and kind of being happy with that because you never know what's going to happen. And even with good maintenance, uh, once in a while there is a turn, right? And once in a while sun breaks, even if you do a great job uh, delivering the product to them. So that's one key misunderstanding uh, is that people are just too focused on that cash flow number. If you yeah, and that's one of the, the things about, uh, one of the things about program, Mike, is you know, we have the pleasure of working with people that are that have a lot of discretionary income, and so you know, working the only time we've ever had uh, you know a quote unquote an unhappy customer was when you know we probably took them on as a client uh, prematurely and didn't screen them well enough. So we actually found that um, they were reliant on the cash flow, um, and they only bought one property with us. Um, and so, of course, the time that it, um, you know, becomes vacant after two years, the person moved out and um, it, it caused quite a, a concern for them because they didn't have the cash flow coming in and they're really reliant on it. Um, that, that's obviously that happened a long time ago and was but it still rings in my ear. The, the benefit to us now is that we we get to choose who we work with and we choose to work with, you know, high income, high net worth individuals that are looking to change their family tree by investing in real estate over you know, choosing to invest in the stock market. And so, you know, the typical investor of ours would have, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of two or $300,000 um, of discretionary income sitting on the sidelines that they've either, either deleveraged from the stock market or just been sitting on the sidelines. And, you know, they choose to, you know, leverage up and start buying a volume of assets. 
I'm a big believer that real estate is best done at scale. Um, and so we try and coach our investor base into diversifying around the Midwest and also diversifying uh, their, um, you know, the amount of money that they're putting into stock market, real estate and everything. But we coach them to come in and, and buy up around, you know, the, the, the minimum would be a, a 10 property minimum. Again, we're not selling them 10 at a time, but a minimum goal of trying to get to 10 properties. Most of our investors, once they understand how easy it is to get to 10, they keep on going. And, and our average investor client now has around 15 properties on their way to a goal of 30 homes. Yeah, that's, uh, I, I agree with the real estate is still a business. So if you if you if you choose to invest in, in real estate, even though you're a passive investor, you still need to build the economy of scale. One property, obviously, subject to the volatility of vacancy and and, and turn uh, expenses, but on top of that, it's getting the economy of scale, getting your bookkeeping done, getting your taxes done, having building the experience and having the right team. So, with one, you just kind of probing it, and, and you I actually like what what, what you have done. Uh, focusing on the serial investor, the folks that are not going to buy one or two. They're planning to buy 10 or more. And that's a great uh, way to screen out the, um, uh, the folks are going to give you a difficult time and they're not gonna, potentially not going to be happy with the investment. Uh, but once they have 10 or more, you're right. There is economy of scale that kicks in and makes their, their life a little bit easier. But I, I do... Um, uh, worry about large portfolios uh, from the point of view of, of, of uh, just, just portfolio management. But maybe as, as, as people grow, uh, they're able to manage their portfolios. They, they need to have competent CPAs and bookkeepers who could manage because one property is one asset. I've always um, thought about this exercise. And, and the best cash flow is not necessarily the best asset. The most expensive asset could also generate uh, pretty bad cash flow. It, it's got its uh, drawbacks. And it sounds, it, it feels like you found a pretty good sweet spot zone. Also, what's interesting about your price range, about 150000 bucks. So if you remember, um, after the 2008 crash, a um, bunch of the institutional players came in, like Invitation Homes. They bought large portfolios of properties. And they bought in that one hundred fifty to you know, $300,000 range. They never bought really cheap properties. And the reason for this is they want to make sure that the management and the, the return on time is reasonable too. So I think what you're doing makes a ton of sense. And um, I appreciate your wisdom. I want to switch to another subject, but any other final thoughts on, on turnkeys? Um, I know there's a shortage of supply right now. So what are, you, what are you doing about that? You have a lot of buyers who want to buy your, your high quality product. Uh, and how do, you, how do you find supply today? No, that is a big challenge, Mike. And that's, uh, you know, again, that's kind of part of us, uh, you know, being picky with who works with us is that there is demand greatly outstrips supply. Uh, so what we're doing is um, ramping up advertising and marketing efforts to try and uh, generate more leads. So we are now advertising on television, radio, billboards, uh, as well as seller direct marketing, working with wholesalers and opening up realtor channels. So we're really trying to canvas and make sure that everyone knows who we are and what we do. Secondly, we're actually um, proud to announce we're actually expanding into other markets. Um, this is not something we take on lightly and probably is a deeper discussion for another day because you know, for 20 years, I have uh, been asked by everybody, when are you going to go to another market? When are you going to go to another market? But has not been the right time for me. Not that it wasn't the right time either, you know, e economically, but for me, because you have to have the right 
people in place in your business before you can expand. And so finally, you know, through the four phases of our business, acquisition, you know, the construction side of the business, remodeling through property management and leasing, and then finally the sales and finance uh, quadrant of our business, we have a leader in every one of those. And then we have our COO above those leaders that are that is managing and operating the business, which has elevated me to a true CEO level where I can start looking and accurately planning and forecasting uh, to you know where the ship should be sailing. And that's where we've now I feel comfortable uh, going to these other markets. So yeah, we've opened up um, Iowa, Illinois areas uh, on top of Missouri and Kansas. And we're hoping to, you know, give our investors um, a lot more opportunity for, um, you know, the same quality construction. We're doing a good job with the quality control, but just offering them up in different areas uh, around the Midwest. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, I, 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 I absolutely appreciate um, what you said about building a, a company. Uh, I assume you're following EOS and, and it sounds to me that you've built that model where you have an, an integrator, your COO running the ship, and then you got the great department heads and you can actually work uh, uh, on the business, not in the business and, and uh, moving the ship uh, in the right direction. So expansion to another market makes a ton of sense. And knowing you, I think you're going to do very well because you're going to focus on specific markets and build management expertise there. Uh, the other quick question, uh, if, you've, if you've, you've, you've seen this through CG and a number of other uh, organizations, some guys and we have we have uh, Jim Shields in in uh, Freedom Founders and in CG, who I've known for many years. He's in Jacksonville, Florida, and he um, um, morphed a little bit from rehabbing turnkeys because it's very hard to find supply into building new product. So, have you thought about building new turnkey range, affordable kind of a, a ground up, uh, basically development? Of, of, oh, and that, that product flies off the shelf. I mean, in every market, uh, maybe they're not $150,000, they may be more $180,000, $190,000 product, but it's brand new construction. So uh, any thoughts on this? Yes, we've been aggressively pursuing those opportunities and we actually have a large tract of land under contract here in the Kansas City marketplace, actually. So um, not really set to announce anything just yet, but um, we have uh, 82 lots and, and 41 of those are duplex lots and then 39 single family homes. So it's a large community that would be an exclusive SPD community. And uh, yeah, we're excited to roll that out in 2021. Well, great minds think alike. I'm really happy to hear that you're working on that opportunity as well. So I think it's a great. Uh, any other, so this, switching the subject very quickly uh, and we kind of a little light in time. Uh, any other great opportunities? We talked about that that historic building uh, conversion, which is it's a one-off surgical precision with historic credits, and uh, those opportunities are not kind of a uh, I, I don't call them conveyor belt projects. They are they are precision surgery, one-off. When it happens, uh, it's a lot of stake, uh, kind of a lot of risk, a lot of upside. But uh, any other, because this we just talked about is a business. This is a, I call it conveyor belt for the reason that it's one turnkey after another, after another, and they all more or less look the same. So any other quick thoughts? Are you looking to do any more one-off kind of surgical precision projects or are you just looking to grow the business? Uh, do what you do well already. That's exactly right, Mike. I mean, I'm a pretty conservative guy by nature. I think the misconception um, could be that, you know, because I'm buying, you know, houses that are totally distressed and they look awful and they got foundation problems that I'm a, 
a risk tolerant guy, but it's actually quite the opposite. I'm very risk averse uh, by nature. And so we only really bet on the sure thing. And so, you know, we're looking at opportunities all the time. We did look at a historic building, as you mentioned, and I appreciated your guidance through that time period. It was invaluable. Um, unfortunately, that was a, a COVID uh, nightmare. Um, and we just felt like, uh, you know, with, with the way the market was turning, with the, uh, you know, the shying away from um, multi, multifamily dwellings, especially in this area of Kansas City, the timing uh, was one that just wasn't right for that particular investment. So, um, that coupled with the fact that, you know, you're taking a, a large risk on uh, the fact that historical tax credits are after you buy the property rather than you can't secure the historical tax credits prior to acquisition. And that was a big hurdle for my, me and a mental block for me. It was just the, you know, I mean, you're 90% sure you're going to get it, but when you're spending, you know, three or $4 million on a building and you don't know whether it's going to be because uh, of the those, as you know, those only work with the historical tax credit uh, applied to it. So we shied away from that one, but we're always looking at other opportunities. Um, container homes is something that really excites me. There's a bush, big push in Kansas City for uh, affordable housing. And we are working with a school district here that is asking us to come in and build an affordable housing community, one, one of their uh, kind of lower socioeconomic school districts. And the only way I can actually make it work in my mind um, economically is these amazing container home opportunities. So that's another what, thing. That what is exploring. a container home? So the shipping container home, the shipping containers that you would, you know, literally see on a container ship coming over from China. Um, the old container homes are getting repurposed. They're all steel. And so you can actually, um, you know, use that as a shell rather than building with, um, you know, wood and frame, you can actually cut two of those, cut the sides off and put them two together and you can get a, you know, a thousand square foot uh, home um, inside one of these container ships. Uh, it's quite amazing what the, the finished product and how amazingly homey it feels. Um, there are some that you just use the one container. That would not be what we do. That would kind of be a one bedroom, uh, kind of like a tiny home. But we're putting two of them together, welding them together and just building them on blocks. And they never rust. They never, uh, they, you don't have to, um, you know, there's no upkeep. There's no termites. Um, so it's, it's very weather resistant and energy efficient. And we can uh, actually get them all in for around $120,000 with, and it's like new home construction on the inside. Well, that's a very fascinating subject. Maybe we should do another episode on this because um, uh, I, I've invested in another project with a container, uh, containers, but not being used as a home, but stacked up as a self-storage facility. Never heard of the containers used for uh, housing. The, the primary concern is always uh, insulation, right? You, metal is a pretty bad insulator. So if it gets cold outside, you need a pretty good insulation, maybe inside or outside. Somehow you have to protect the shell. And when, you, when you're dealing with the Kansas City and the weather can be, uh, you know, the winter can be real. Um, so, but let's do another episode on that because that, that's a pretty interesting subject and affordable housing is uh, uh, needed and, 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 and wanted in every market around the country. And if you can do something great for the community and at the same time make the numbers work uh, as a developer, it's, it's, it's a great um, uh, you know, win-win all around. Appreciate your wisdom. We're out of time. Any other quick comments? Uh, comment. Oh, how would people get a hold of you? If, if, if uh, let's just call. You're gonna screen them. A high net worth individual who wants to go into uh, turnkeys and want to buy ten of them. How would they get a hold of you? 
Yeah, no, thanks for that. Uh, you know, I'm on uh, the social networks, so probably the easiest way would just be to go to uh, my landing page, mistakefreerealestate.com. You can also buy my book that's uh, just come out, uh, Mistake Free Real Estate, uh, A Passive Investor's Guide to Winning with Rental Property. Uh, that's available on Amazon. Um, but if you go to mistakefreerealestate.com, there's a link to it there and uh, ways to reach out to me. That's great. Mistakefreerealestate.com. Mark, I appreciate your wisdom and thank you for sharing. Uh, you got to come back on the episode and we'll got to talk about the container-based homes. It's pretty cool. It's uh, I never heard about it. So live and learn every day. Thank uh, you, Mike. Well, thank you, Mark. Thank you for listening to the Big Mike Fun Podcast. To receive your copy of Mike's How to Choose a Smart Real Estate Fun Book, head to BigMikeFun.com or visit Amazon and type Mike's slot name. Keep listening and keep investing Big Mike style. See you on the next episode.